this week's edition of the Minnesota Beer Cast. Kind of a special show this week. Schmitty and I went down to the Mankato Craft Beer Expo and did a couple of education seminars, forums there. The first one you're going to hear is uh, Women in Beer. We talked to three fantastic women in the beer industry. And then we did a uh, State of the Beer Industry. So we're going to bring you those two forums on this week's edition of the Minnesota Beer Cast. Hey everybody and welcome to the Education Expo at the Minnesota or uh, Mankato Craft Beer Expo. My name is Drew, this is Schmitty, and we are the hosts of the Minnesota Beer Cast, a, a podcast about the Minnesota beer scene, craft spirits, everything uh, related to the Minnesota beer scene. You can get it on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. Again, just search for the Minnesota Beer Cast. Thank everybody for coming out for our first panel here. We're going to be talking uh, women in beer. So yeah, we, uh, we have some esteemed panelists here, and uh, we'll start at the end and let them introduce themselves, um, where they are now in the beer industry, and kind of how they got their start. Why don't we uh, let Megan kick it off down there at the end? What do you want me to say? Tell everybody what you do in the beer industry and how you got your start. Yeah, I'm Megan Parker. I am the Minnesota sales rep for Dogfish Head Craft Brewery, which is in Milton, Delaware. And I really got my start through volunteering. So if you like beer and you want to work in the beer industry, you should start by volunteering too. I'm Gabby. I have raging ADD. Sorry about that. Um, I, I started as a restaurant manager and then I became obsessed with craft beer. And now 10 years in, I work for Ballast Point Brewing out of San Diego. I'm in the Minnesota market rep. I'm Angie Prohl. I live right here in Mankato. Um, I first started working in bars and restaurants probably about 24 years ago. So as a teenager. And then several years ago, I started helping out with Finnegan's Beer Company. And through that, I started finding out um, with Barley's Angels. I started the chapter here, Barley's Angels. And now I currently um, run the show with my partner at Midtown Tavern here in Mankato. Well, thank you all for uh, being a part of this panel. Uh, on the Minnesota Beer Cast and at these events, we've, uh, we've done some women in beer panels. Now, I think the first one we did was probably about three years ago. So uh, we'll keep this kind of a roundtable discussion. And if anybody in the audience has any questions, uh, feel free to, to come on up towards the front. But uh, first question, we'll start with you, uh, Angie. Uh, probably did the first one of these about three years ago. What has changed for women in the beer industry since then? And what still needs to change, in your opinion? Well, we're still drinking beer. Um, I, I mean, that's... I don't know how to answer that. I just, I th I just think you, you see us drinking beer. Um, we're not just drinking light beers. We are... Is, is that a big problem for women in the beer industry and just women who drink beer in general? Is, is you, you get pigeonholed into oh, yeah. the stereotypes oh, yeah. of women just drink chick beer. light chick, beer? Yeah, there's a chick beer, chick or we beer. like only ciders, or things that are sweet. Um, with Barley's Angels, I've seen there are women who, yes, they like approachable beers, but I, there are women who like, you know, stouts and imperial stouts and sours. And I think we have to remember that just because we're women, we don't like s just sweet things. Um, is, is there a way to combat that stereotype? I mean, other than having empowered, educated, smart women on the show saying, hey, we do more than just drink sweet, light beer. What, is there a way to fight that perception? 
You just drink it. Gender equality? Yeah. 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 <laughs> not, think, not thinking that we only, like, yeah, don't telling us that yeah. this is what you like or marketing, like, you know, targeted marketing, you know. We're fully formed humans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 We, we have complexity and depth and we like yeah. different things. And yeah. but mm-hmm. is, is the exactly. failure of, of brands like Chick Beer, does that do something to educate the, the greater industry where, hey, these things that are specialized and marketed specifically towards women don't work? Is that does, is it education by failure, do you think? Is it going to have to be try and try again and finally they're going to realize that, no, we don't need to market directly to women, just market to beer drinkers? <laughs> that, I mean, that might be a good question. I, I don't think that you can really, like, get a big sample of women together and have us agree on, yeah, you know. Anything? Really, no. That's <laughs> yeah, the same. That's the same with men. Yeah, yeah same men with men. Like, you for know, sure. double IPAs. Yeah. So. Yeah. I yeah, think, but- honestly, at the craft level, uh, the marketing and things like that is not as big of an issue. Like, craft breweries are realizing that women drink their beer and women have varied palates, and um, there are women brewery owners and. You know, they they realize that. I think it's starting with the larger, like, you know, Miller Coors and AB and some of those guys that have been marketing differently to women for so long. Um, So I think that, honestly, like, macro, big beer, they're the ones that have a bigger issue with how to market their product to both sexes appropriately. Yeah, I, 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 I super love it every time I walk into a beer store and there's a giant cutout of a girl with a camel toe trying to tell me to buy Bud Light, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's gross. And, like, there are children and, like, ew. <laughs> I mean, I, I've literally never seen a moose knuckle, you know, a dude rocking tight pants trying to sell me anything, so. But would it, but would it sell beer? No! no. See? But, but... And maybe that's part of the beer conversation is that the, the camel toe may be selling beers. <laughs> yeah, but then wouldn't, like, you see, like, a camel toe trying to sell you, like, Campbell's and stuff like that? Like... <laughs> Thankfully, we're not in the desert. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, let's be real. I don't think that men need sex to sell them anything. <laughs> maybe that guy. That guy. But, uh... You know, and, and I don't think women need pink shit and pearls and high heels to be sold things either. I love rhinestones. I'm going to say leave the rhinestones. <laughs> you don't, no. But, I mean, that, that's all. Like, I just want to make sure that women know there are other women that can teach you. We won't talk down to you. We won't assume that you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and, and that's it. I try to make sure that other women are... I try to encourage as many ladies as I can to be part of this industry because it's better for us. We can be at the table and tell them no more camel toes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like that's the, the latest hashtag, no more camel toe. <laughs> no more camel toe. We, we, can, we can start that right here. But speaking of hashtags, a big part of the, the social media culture and our culture as a whole has been the, the Me Too movement. Um, do you guys think that that has impacted the beer industry in, in any way, or if it hasn't, should it? Um, I think that maybe it has a little bit. Um, I've, I've seen some uh, social media posts lately uh, talking about that a little bit more, uh, talking about issues that 
have come up in the beer industry as far as um, sexual harassment or things like that. I think honestly, you know, it's not coming from a place of craft beer. It's coming from a place of everyone is starting to feel more comfortable calling that out and talking about it. So um, just in society. So maybe it's not as focused on the industry as it is on America and, right. you know, as a whole. Do you think as a whole, the, the beer industry, the craft beer industry specifically, would you classify it as like more evolved or less evolved when it comes to those sort of hashtag me too type issues? Or is it the same as any other industry that you've been in? Completely the same as the rest of society. <laughs> yeah. And it also depends on where you are. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, I mean, I think it's the same, like yeah. you said, but it also makes a big difference where you are in that um, regionally, you know, so. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we haven't had that moment yet in this industry. We haven't had somebody big exposed as a predatory person. I, I think it's going to happen, honestly, because I'm not making excuses for them, but I don't think that men realize what they've been doing to women for a really long time. Um, and I honestly, I want to help. I want to make sure that they're like going to make it into the next decade and keep their jobs. So. I, that's been, I'm very open about doing that emotional labor with my male coworkers. Um, if they have questions, I'm here to answer. When they say questionable shit to me, I'm there to tell them it's questionable. Um, there's just a lot of men that have been living in this boys only industry and yep. never had to like check themselves and, and, yep. and behave a little bit better. And, and let's face it, grow. like learn that the world doesn't evolve around you and, and see that your actions and words affect others. It, it's not even about feminism. It's just about being a good human good being. Person. Yeah. Yeah. I um, own a bar. I own a, so we deal with it every single day. I also work full time behind the bar and we see this every single day. We see the harassment every day, what people think you can get away with. And I stand up to it. I tell my bartenders and my cooks, I tell everybody there, we will not put up with that. I don't care if they've been—I don't care if they've been going there for 30 years. We won't put up with that. Um, but not everybody can do that. Not everybody can say that, and that's—that's that's hard. And we have to understand that. You know, it—it's it, going to happen. And I feel good that I can at least help that, and hopefully that'll help somebody else. Um, we deal—it just a simple thing like what we deal with compared to my male bartenders, mm -hmm. what they deal with. Um, it's exhausting, but we work together, and I know I hope that at least at my bar, we're trying to make that besides sell good beer and good drinks and good food that we can also be like, hey, that shit's not allowed here. Don't do it. So. Very good. Well, I, unless uh, we have any questions from the audience, anybody, Bueller? Huh. All right. So well, awesome. uh, well, with that, I want to thank our panel. Uh, thanks to Megan. Thanks to Gabby. Thanks to Angie. <laughs> Uh, thanks for being a part of the panel, and thanks for being strong representatives for equality and women in the beer industry. Uh, I thank you, and I hope our members of the audience do as well. So, thank you. Cheers to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Have fun, guys. Camel toe. Cheers. Camel toe. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for coming out to the Mankato Craft Beer Expo. Wonderful afternoon. There's some fantastic beers out here. My name is Drew. This is my co-host, Schmitty. We host the Minnesota Beer Cast. You can hear it on Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 or find it via podcast on the iHeartRadio app or 
on iTunes or anywhere else where you get podcasts. We will be podcasting these education seminars as well. So if you miss anything, just search for the Minnesota BeerCast and you can find the whole show there. We're going to uh, talk about the state of the beer industry on this panel. And Schmitty, why don't you introduce our participants? I certainly will. From my left, moving on now, we've got Ben from Fulton. How you doing, Ben? Uh, doing great, Schmitty. Uh, welcome to the show. Got Joe Falkowski from Liftbridge on. How you doing, Joe? I'm living the dream, baby. Absolutely. And Angie is pulling double oh, duty I today. She joined us for our Women in Beer panel, and she is back for our State of the Industry panel. Welcome, Angie. <laughs> Camel toe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got some, some fun stuff we're going to delve into. I must into. have missed something. It's, uh, we decided to take a, kind of a look at the industry as a whole, get some valued uh, opinions from our panelists here. Uh, let's start with a Ben and work our way down. Ben, how is the state of the beer industry in Minnesota? Good, bad, indifferent? What's your take? I think the state of the beer industry right now is in a little bit of a figuring it out phase as far as what people want to be, where they want to go, uh, what kind of beers they think they want to hang their hats on. It's cool to see a lot of taproom only breweries opening. Uh, people that want to service the community don't want to try to take over the world. And I think that's really healthy. I think that's more sustainable right now, given that we have 140 something like that. So overall, I think we're, uh, we're kind of in that awkward late teenage phase where we're finding ourselves Joe, would, would you echo that, or, or what is your thoughts on the state of the industry? I, <laughs> that's perfect. Like, the late teenage, like, you're trying to figure it out. and um, I, I've been doing this for too long, so it's like watching, watching the brewery number expand as rapidly as it has is, like, you're kind of like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you trying? What's going on? And, and it, but it's awesome because now you have, actually, you have options. Sure. Um, where before it was like, well, I guess I'll buy local. I mean, it, buying local wasn't even a thing at one point. Sure. It was. I mean, even local breweries were getting kicked out of places because it was like, ah, nah, nah. We have these national things, and I, it's great. Like the where we're at right now is awesome, but we still have like this end game that we're trying to hit and you know I, I think we're well on our way there so that's that's a great question and maybe you can elaborate on that and i'd like to get angie's take as well what is the end game for the beer industry in minnesota i mean are we talking five years ten years out where do you see the industry as a whole is you know you mentioned the number of breweries that are opening is is that the the major identity crisis within the industry right now is what's an acceptable number um, based on population, based on competition, well, where are we at? I one I one I hate uh, I hate the comparison to Portland and yeah. Colorado that we constantly get like, oh Portland's got ninety breweries in Portland and mm -hmm. Colorado's got you know seven million breweries in Colorado. But why is that an unfair comparison? It's because uh, what what's going on like like Ben was saying you know there's tap room only there's people that are operating like just as a tap room right. and there's people that want world dominance and it's like you you really can't have both like it's kind of an odd model that you have to kind of figure out what the identity of your brewery is um, if you go to Portland if you go to Colorado a lot of those breweries 
that are out there mm -hmm. are little like like it's a pizza joint. It's like Dave's Pizza, and he's got a little two-barrel system in the corner, and he's brewing like two or three beers that he has as house beers on tap. The rest of it is all like national, regional brands that do real well, and they have all these guest taps, but they only have a couple of their beers, but it's counted as a brewery. But you have a lot of a lot of people now that start up. They start their tap room, um, and then the next step is like you know I'm going to go out and I'm going to sell to every single market or uh, every single retailer in the market. I'm going to sell six pack or four pack cans everywhere. And it's like if that's the case, then then yeah, we're we're oversaturated at this point because a hundred. I mean, you go into a liquor store now, you can't even. I mean, you can't find things. It's it's kind of hard to shop at this point because there's so much out there. Well, and, and to Joe's point, too, like the idea that we can keep adding breweries, but coolers don't get bigger and tap handles don't get more expansive, there's going to be attrition. And if you know that you can survive that attrition, yeah, expand and distribute. But if you are hesitating, be a tap room, sell your beer, make your money. You talk about um, breweries that want to, quote, take over the world, right? Is that with all the breweries that have opened up and all the breweries that continue to open up and the emphasis on buying local and the consumer really uh, emphasizing buying local or regional and we'll start with Angie if, if you want to if you want to roundtable this uh, yes. is that a viable business path anymore uh, for a brewery to have their eye on becoming a national brand uh, so owning a bar and knowing that people come in specifically for something local they do um, our best sellers are something that is right down the street um, or 24 miles right down the street. Um, but I am like today, we made sure that most of our beers, 96% are Minnesota beers. It helps, it really does. But just like with anything, taste is subjective. You know what I mean? They're gonna, they're gonna figure it out. You know, I, the bar I run is predominantly a Coors Light, Bud Light beer or crowd, but I'm, I'm selling War and Peace, you know, I'm selling Founders Curmudgeon. So um, it will figure itself out. And we're doing a good job doing it. But when I do say, hey, Finnegan's, you know, donates locally or Liftbridge is in Stillwater, it does help. It does help, at least for my community. At least here in Mankato, it does. Mankato is a very, very involved community. And when, and we're very close knit, we're a small community. And even though we have a metro status, we are still a town. And people like that when you say, hey, we have Shell's beer. People come specifically for that. Yeah, I think Angie brings up a good point, and, I, and I'd be really interested, Joe and Ben, to get your perspectives on it. As, as a bar owner, she's trying to provide what the consumers want, right? And that's, by and large, local beer. You guys are both working for, for breweries that have aspirations outside of just being local, correct? How difficult is that for you when it comes to pouring beer in, in Madison, Wisconsin, or Sioux Falls? What, what are the challenges involved there? It's funny, we just launched Wisconsin this year, and uh, it's hard to sell beer outside of your own market. Like, yeah. I think, I think you're, every brewery, if, if there's one thing I could tell every brewery here in, in Minnesota is, own your own market. Like, like you come down here and Mankato, Mankato Brewery is strong, and that's good because Tupi is awesome. Like, right. <laughs> but 
you know they they do well down they do well down here for sure and that's you have to have that base it's like your home market we you go to Stillwater and it's really hard to find a bar that doesn't carry lift bridge right. you go to you go to Minneapolis and it's hard to find a brewery or a, a bar that doesn't carry Fulton at some level you know I mean mm-hmm. and it's you have to have that that you know that this guy <laughs> so in in terms of selling outside the the market is I mean we just saw summit pull back distribution from multiple states to right whether their their core market is is that the new paradigm is that what we're going to see is it going to be not necessarily hyper local but just I don't know state local well, the, the weird part about that is the states they pulled out are the ones we went into this year, coincidentally. And the idea oh, isn't Fulton's so... Fulton's taking all their business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our biggest new market's Florida. Shocker. They're snowbirds. They're Minnesotans. They know us. And that's the thing is even the local translates, even if you're not in your backyard. Joe's 100% right. you got to own your backyard. Um, but as far as growth goes and creating new bases, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, what's a little more applicable to us, but the wholesaler level and what they're excited about when you have so many breweries, not just in Minnesota, but in the United States, they're starting to get into wholesalers' portfolios too, and their focus is a lot on their local brands. That makes a, an appealing regional brewery less appealing all of a sudden to their reps, and it, it changes dynamic of expansion. So for us, yeah, it's weird we're going out while they came back, but our wholesalers that we picked, at least at the moment, are the ones we thought were excited, uh, that were really gang, are, uh, gung-ho to sell the beer. I think that's a big part of it for all of us expanding out. And they, the, the one thing that I don't know if it gets talked about a ton, but with Summit pulling out of those states, that the stuff they pulled back was only about 2% of their overall business. So It, it really sur- was minimal for them. Right. Yeah, on the surface it looks, it looks like, oh, my God, they pulled out of like 10 states. That, that, was, that only made up 2% of their business. So for them, they spent, they spent more money... To try and grow those markets and those, and, you know, and, and I mean, Summit's been around for 32, 32 years 32. now at this point. Yeah, eighty-six. Um, my public school math is still kicking in, um, but they, uh, I mean, they've tried those states, most of those states before, and you know, like, like states like Colorado, like, dude, I don't, I, I mean, on the record, I guess I don't, I hope. Liftbridge never tries to go to Colorado because it's too hard to sell beer there. Well, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about competition and talking about growth and, and distribution. Big question with everybody trying to own their own backyard, opening tap rooms, that doesn't leave much room for growth, right? You've got a tap room, you're locked into a market, you've got a storefront. Well, both, I mean, so both of us. Liftbridge and Fulton were both pre-taproom breweries. Our goals from the start were to sell beer, to sell beer in the market, to work with retailers, get beer on tap, get beer in liquor stores. Um, and we were blessed with this taproom bill. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, holy crap, we can make a lot of money doing this. Now, we had, we had a conscious effort like when we were given this gift of a taproom we went around to our local retail and we were like, hey, we're going to open this. How are we not going to piss you off? <laughs> like, because some retailers out there view it as competition. You know, yeah. like as a, as a retailer, you know, you're like, oh, you're going to sell your pints for cheaper than me or you're going to do this or you're going to do that. And they, 
they always assume the everyone always assumes the worst from their competition mm-hmm. and you know we we had to tread really lightly and you know we we basically got the stamp of approval from the city of Stillwater as far as retailers go to open our tap room but we opened with limited hours and no food and you know it's like okay as long as our regular consumers are happy even though we would make way more money selling every yeah. drop like yeah. What about with food in Fulton? Has there been issues with There's been actually no blowback on that. Um, so we did it very specifically, very deliberately, yeah. in that instead of doing a full out, like full service restaurant, this is what we're going to be now. It's just replacing the food trucks that came in for us, which with how many breweries expanding, another yeah. side effect is you have less food truck availability, you have less yeah. access, more scheduling problems. We just replaced that with our own food truck, essentially. Uh, so it's still going to be off the truck, off the grill food. It's nothing over the top. You got to go up to the window to get it. It's just a food truck that we run, uh, kind of to ensure consistency, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Right. And Angie, what is your take on? I mean, being a bar owner, uh, you know, the the competition of tap rooms versus being able to put a beer on and serve it in in your pub. Is it competition? In Mankato, no. I mean, I have one. We have one brewery in the area um, that has a tap room, and we serve their beer, and we proudly serve Mankato Brewery beer. I think that's important, and I proudly serve Shell's, you know, brewery. Shell's just, you know, they have the Star Keller, but they don't have on Shell's premises a tap room. Um, like I said earlier, if anything, it helps us <laughs> just to have that beer. And saying, you know, like with Finnegan's, everything that we do carry. Um, I right now we don't have an issue with it. If we get more breweries. Yeah, that, that might be something. Um, you know, at one time, we had 14 breweries in Mankato. That's, and, that's a few. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and now we have one. Yeah. So Next week, next week, next there week will we'll be have 14. 14. Actually, since we started talking, <laughs> two more have opened. opened. Yeah, I, I know, I saw, I got the tweet. Yeah. So right now, it's not an issue. If anything, it's helping both places, I think. Um, and they do, they, you know, because we have a full-service restaurant and everything, and we, they can have food there or whatever, they do recommend us and we recommend them. And so we work together as is super important, the collaboration, but that's also in our community. That's very specific to us. When you look at some of the, uh, some of the, the established, some of the pioneers of the craft of beer world, the national brands and such, do you think they are being good stewards of the industry? And if not, what do you think they could be doing different? So, all right, so my, my thought on this is going back to my wholesaler conversation that I had in my brain earlier. The breweries themselves, for the most part, do a very good job promoting their brand in a very top-notch way to go about things, of getting it out there, making sure people remember them. It comes down to your wholesaler level of what they're willing to do to push a brand that maybe people have forgotten about. And not saying that Sierra Nevada is long and forgotten or any bigger brewery, Sam, any top five brewery, not saying they're forgotten, but if, if their sales start slowing down, they got to find a way to move that product. And that's where it creates a little bit of a conundrum right now between regional and local. Uh, it's just some of, the, some of the wholesalers trying to find ways to move product they're mandated to move. So I don't think it's a, it's a bad thing of how they're being stewards necessarily, but I think that they're facing ramifications from a system that they're just falling victim to a little bit. I, you know I heard a good analogy once. It was talking about like like these big breweries. They're like they're they're like cargo ships. You know they can't turn on a dime. 
sometimes they have to turn right to turn left. So they gotta, you know, they gotta move this huge ship that's a big moving thing, and it's, you know, they can't just change their image right away. You know, you look at a, like a company like Sam Adams or Sierra Nevada. Um, you know, they do. You know, there's there's a certain level of innovation that those guys should be leading, but at this point. With the with the amount of micro, you know, like like the smaller breweries, the local guys being able to pivot on a dime and change, you know, like this guilty, the like hazy IPA thing, you know, like you're seeing these guys react to the market now, not be the innovators because they were the innovators. Sam Adams, Sierra, Summit, you know, even in this market, were the innovators. Now they're not the innovators, and they're they're. They can't, they can't play catch up, and they also have a weird mentality. I mean, they have a, they have a weird spot where their ass is kind of hanging out. When if they come out with a hazy IPA, everyone's like, "Oh, you're just copying the little guys." And and you know what? Sierra and New Belgium just came out with came out with hazy IPAs this the, in the, within the last like month or two. And you look at it, and you're you, part of you kind of like, "Good for you," and the other part's like, "Well, I guess like." see where you're going with that you know and um but for the most part what they're doing is they're they're leading you, you are they're good stewards you look at a company like new belgium they're all about sustainability and they have been so you you look at other breweries that follow suit like that's part of their mission statement when they start is we're all about sustainability we care about clean water we care about the environment we care about these things and those are things that sierra and new belgium started 20 years ago um, you know, New Belgium's really proud of the fact that, you know, for them, like water usage is so huge in a brewery, and New Belgium's got it down to like three to one. Like I think they got lower. Like they I, might be under two now. It's insane, because um, you know, if you've any, if you've ever home brewed or anything like that, you realize how much water it takes to make one gallon of beer. It's like almost like three plus gallons of water. Like New Belgium had it to like three gallons per like of water per one gallon of beer which is pretty crazy to think about and they kept looking for ways to make it lower and lower and lower and they actually share that kind of technology with everybody else and their you know their their practices because they want for everybody a better thing and and that's awesome so as far as the stewardship goes is the market yeah they're they have to be because everyone's looking at them you know It gives us a good opportunity to transition over to talk about styles a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned the the hazy IPA. We've seen uh, an increase in the popularity of sour beers in the last couple of years. You've seen a lot of variations on IPAs. Predictions on what you think the next hot trend might be? What you got, uh. Ange? <laughs> I really I like the hazy IPAs. People like them down here. People are loving sours, and we're very fortunate that 24 miles down the road, we have Jace doing some amazing beers. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's opened people up. Um, as also um, uh, organizing with Barley's Angels, we really like our sour beers. Yeah. We really like it. And that's that tart, and it's that unconventional. And it has nothing to do with sweetness, and it has nothing to, you know, but... It's opening palettes. It's opening a lot of things to people. They're just not, you know, yeah. wanting. Um, the hazy IPAs are nice. It's something different. I don't know if it's. Yeah, you know, we mentioned earlier when we were talking about being stewards of the industry, and I do want to give a, a shout out to Barley's Angels. You know, down here in the cities, 
up in Duluth, uh, doing a great job partnering with breweries and partnering with taverns and pubs and educating uh, folks on on beer. I think I think that's a great thing. Thank you, thank you. And, and it's not just for women. I mean, we've we've. We are men, our auxiliary. <laughs> but, you know, it's, we can't do it without everyone. And Barney's so, Angels? Yeah, Barney. Yeah. <laughs> and then our kids are the root beer crew. You know, so. So what, what's, your, what's your take, uh, Mr. Ben Flatham, on uh, the, the trend? Predict what's going to happen in the future with the beer uh, industry. Hazy Hefeweizens, I think, is the next big trend. <laughs> I think we're going to exist. Oh, crap. All right. <laughs> Man, but I was are really, they, I was but are they juicy? Come on, oh, every beer has to be juicy. I think everybody's going back to focusing on making the beers that you know and love as yeah. solid as possible. Um, I, I think there will be some new styles. I don't think they're going to be like the hazy IPA thing, but people like Liftbridge making Farm Girl as good as it can be. People like Fulton making Lonely Blonde as good as it can be. I think that's when you start seeing the focus go as the industry. There'll still be a couple new styles popping up, but I doubt Gruet's making a resurgence soon. So we can probably just bank on something else that's going to about wrap up our time here if you guys have any closing comments you want to make or if there are any uh, questions from the audience feel free to, uh, to either raise your hand come on up to the front if you've got a question for our panel here otherwise any, any closing thoughts here on the state of the beer industry yes Ben is single okay so <laughs> all right if everyone was wondering good for Ben congratulations Ben well, thanks ben. Joe <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody, for coming out. Enjoy the rest of your time here at the Mankato Craft Beer Expo, and make sure to check out the Minnesota Beer Cast on iHeartRadio. Get the iHeartRadio app or uh, download it on iTunes. Thank you so much. And that's going to wrap up this week's Minnesota Beer Cast, recorded from the Mankato Craft Beer Expo. Thank you to Mark from Chop Liver Productions for having us out there yet again. We always really appreciate it. Make sure to give us a uh, rating on iTunes and uh, download the iHeartRadio app. Subscribe to the Minnesota Beer Cast channel on there when you get a chance. We'll be back with an all-new show next week. Cheers. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly 